we come to uh, this Feast of the Epiphany and celebrating the, the revelations of our blessed Lord. That's what Epiphany is, right? It's a, a revelation, an understanding, a, a deepening of knowledge. And just in the gospel that we've just heard, there's already uh, at least five things on a beginning level, introductory level, that one sees are, are revelations about the Lord. First, it's that, that there's a star that leads the Magi to the Lord. A reminder to us of Psalm 18, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The heavens even, proclaiming and speaking and leading souls to come to know Christ. The Lord, the maker of the heavens, even the heavens bow down before him. The heavens move themselves to point to him. We see also the fact that the Magi come from the east. The east, of course, being the place where the Israelites were not present. They remained uh, in the Holy Land and, you know, in a few areas around by virtue of exile. But these ones who come from the east are representing the, the other nations. And it's a fulfillment of what had been spoken of by the prophet Isaiah in the, the first reading today, as well as of the various other prophets throughout the, the, the centuries prior to the birth of our Lord. It was all pointing to the fact that, that one day, not just the people of Israel will worship the Lord, but all nations, all nations will come from north and south and from east and west. They will come and they will send to Jerusalem and they will worship the Lord. Again, we know that the Lord took that and then he expanded it to the whole world. So it's a, a call for us to recognize that, that Christ is not just the king of a, a small group of people or the Lord of, of this particular group, right? In the, days of, in the days of our Lord, it was common that people thought of gods as, as local, local gods. You know, the God, that's why they refer to him as the God of Israel, right? And so was, this was their God. And so they would think, okay, here's the God of Israel, and there was the God of these people, and the God of those people, and the God of these people over here. But our Lord comes and in so many ways destroys all of that, crushes it all to let them know that there is but one God. There are not many and that one God has dominion over all and calls all to himself. And so the revelation here about our blessed Lord is, is he is the one true God. Together with this, the Magi bring their gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold because our Lord is a king, frankincense because he is a great high priest, and myrrh because he is unique among humans. Every last one of us was born that we might have life. And the Lord came that we might have life and have it to the full, he tells us in St. John's Gospel. But the Lord himself is the only one who was ever born of woman who came specifically to die. That was his purpose. Is he came to die that we might be able to have life. Because without him coming down to us, without him taking on our flesh, we would have nothing to look forward to. There would be no hope of redemption. There would be no one who had taken on what was broken and fixed it, healed it. They made it holy. This is what our Lord has done for us. And so we see these, these epiphanies, these revelations about the child, all so beautifully, before he's actually even said a word. He hasn't said anything. He's cried. And that's it. And yet revelations abound about this mysterious child. We know that we can go through the course of, the, of our Lord's life and see that there are many other instances in which he reveals something of himself. 
And in fact, the Feast of the Epiphany is, as you may remember, the, a feast not just of the Magi coming, but also of two other great mysteries of Revelation. The first being his baptism, wherein the heavens were opened as he received the holy baptism, as he was washed in the water, sanctifying the water, not the water sanctifying him, but he sanctifying the water for us. And the heavens opened, and the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. His baptism revealed that he is the Son of God, the Son of the Father, and also revealed to us that, that the Holy the Spirit was present there. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. And so God is not simply one, but he is also three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the third mystery celebrated in the Epiphany is that of the wedding feast at Cana. When our Lord begins to enter into his earthly ministry and compelled the, the encouragement of his mother, he does the wonderful mystery of making water into wine. Here he shows his power, and he shows the desire that he has for us to have fullness of joy. Wine in the scriptures is pointed to as, as a sign of joy. It gives joy to men's hearts, the scriptures tell us. And we know this. Wine brings a certain levity to things. It brings a certain relaxation to things. And so it's this fact that whenever this married couple is coming, and it's in the midst of their wedding, in a time that is supposed to be an, a, an ultimate occasion of joy, and the wine has run out, which means that what should be joyful has turned absolutely the other direction. It's like a curse upon the family almost. And Our Lady, mindful of this, intercedes, asks our Lord, and he works the miracle of providing wine and providing the best wine for them. And in this, the disciples begin to believe in him, the gospel tells us. Till then, they had been gathering information, trying to make sense of the man, trying to understand how it is that really he is the Christ, and, and kind of having, having questions arise in their heart of, of, of wanting to believe, of, of hoping that this is the one who's come to fulfill all of these things, but not being entirely sure. But with the miracle, the first of these miracles, they begin to believe, and their faith will grow and grow and grow, ultimately to the willingness to lay down their lives for him in death. These are some of the revelations, and to these we can certainly add many more. Our Lord fulfilling numerous prophecies all throughout his ministry, by his words, by his deeds, by his gestures. So many things in which our Lord intentionally was revealing himself, and what a blessing. He didn't have to do that. He could have given us kind of one shot, and if we missed the boat, sorry. If that sign's not good enough for us, if that revelation's not enough for us, then, you know, I did what I could type of thing. But our Lord goes abundantly generous. Over and over and over again, he reveals himself more and more and more that we might be able to have numerous opportunities to see, his, to see who he is in himself, to come to understand and to believe by faith, to believe in him in the same manner as the apostles began to believe in him, and to allow that faith and that knowledge and that love of him, really, to deepen throughout the course of years. And this is the invitation the Lord continues to extend to us, is that there is more revelation taking place. Now, public revelation is concluded. Public revelation is that, that portion of the teachings of the church when the Lord has given us everything that is necessary for our salvation. 
There will not come a point in which, you know, somewhere, you know, Vatican three, a hundred years from now, we'll come out and you need to go, you know, we decided there's actually another sacrament that, uh, that we're going to go ahead and make necessary for your salvation. I don't know what that would be exactly, but you know, if they theoretically came up with one, that would be absurd and everyone would be right to reject it because it is nowhere in the truth that has been given to us. Everything that is necessary for our salvation has already been given. There won't come a revelation that says, if you pray this chaplet or if you do these prayers, if you, you know, visit X, Y, or Z, then you'll be saved. That's not the case. Those are private revelations, and they may be good and beneficial for particular souls. But they are not uh, the public revelation. So the public revelation is complete. Everything that is necessary has been given. But he also wants to reveal himself to us individually and intimately. He wants to reveal himself in his own heart and have us come to know him and to love him more deeply. Because all of us can know and understand something intellectually, but it's a different thing to experience it. I can read a book about Abraham Lincoln and know all kinds of facts and things about him, but it doesn't mean I know the man. That doesn't mean that I have communion with him. It doesn't mean that I have a dynamic relationship with him. But with the person of Jesus, this is different, or at least it ought to be. If we merely have intellectual knowledge about Jesus, if we know the scriptures, if we know the things that he has taught, the things that he has said, if we follow them, good, it's better than not. But he didn't say to the disciples, go out and, and just proclaim everything and, and, and just, you know, have them follow only the rules. It was to follow him, to encounter him. It was to all of us that he said, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. It's the person of Christ who comes and reveals himself to us individually, each of us in unique ways. Some of us have encountered the Lord and experienced something of his, something of his majesty, something of his beauty, of his omnis omniscience, omnipresence, his, his wondrous mercy. All of us have experienced these things in different ways, I would pray whether by the, the beauty of the night sky and being able to, to see the stars ourselves, to see the beauty of the day, the painted sunset, to see the richness of life, to see and to, and to experience the things that we hear and to, that we experience and see and smell here in the church and then allow our hearts to, to come to know him. They help us to understand something about him and to engage him to see that he's not simply out there distant from us, but he is intimately close. And every single day he's revealing himself to us. Every single day, if we have the eyes to see, we will see the hand of the, war, hand of the Lord working all around us. But the unfortunate thing is sometimes we simply don't see. And this I think is what we ought to pray for, the grace. Because as, as the, you know, the, all of these things are happening, you know, the, the, uh, the Magi go and see, the shepherds go and see, Our, Our Lady and St. Joseph are present there. But how many souls looked up at the night sky and looked and saw the star and just thought, huh, that's interesting, and did nothing more to it? How many others, hearing the things that were going on in the, in the area, because you know what people would talk, how many others heard what was happening and didn't go see 
how many people following or, or seeing, the, seeing the Magi with their, their train, certainly of, of others, to be present with them, seeing this, this marvelous thing that they would not have seen before, these men coming from the east in their particular place, how many saw it and simply were intrigued but didn't follow? The Lord was revealing himself, but so many people simply missed it. They were not attentive. They closed their hearts to it. And we can do the same. Again, our Lord is revealing himself in countless ways every single day. In the scriptures, and the Eucharist, and our prayer, and our spiritual reading, and the things we experience here in church, but also in everyday life. All over, the Lord is revealing something about himself. And if we think that we have exhausted our knowledge of the Lord, if we know everything about him, I think we probably have only just begun. Because when, when we speak with, when I've spoken with married couples and, you know, these you know, couples who have been married, you know, for 40, 50 years and more, you know, it's very often the case, pretty much always the case, that, that when we're inquired about this particular thing, they'll remark about it, that, that there will come a point when even after decades together, you know, one will say something and the other will go, I never knew that. There's always a little story, a little something that's hidden a little mystery waiting to be seen. And if that happens with us in our humanity, how much more so the Lord God? How much more is there that he wants to show to us? But it's for us to open our hearts to receive it, to open our eyes, to be attentive to these things, to allow him to speak to us and to receive and to respond. And so as we offer these mysteries, it's for us to thank the good Lord for the revelation that he has given to us, the revelation, the fuller sense of all the things contained in the sacred scriptures, but also the revelations that he has shown himself to us in the little ways of our daily life and our prayer. We thank him for these and pray that we might continue to be open to receiving them, to recognizing him in many ways, to know him more and more, and to love him more and more.